today on News and Views. You go and solve a mathematical puzzle. How does, in the name of God, it get a monetary value attached to itself? So there is a market of buyers and sellers. There are exchanges offering this marketplace. It's the people that are setting this price, right? It's buy and sell behaviors. It removes the centralization and the control that somebody has over issue of a medium of exchange. A state or a sovereign or a central bank have the control over a medium of exchange. He's Bitcoin the best gold, uh, digital gold, because, you know, it's by, by code, it's already limited in supply. You are listening to News and Views, the Quint's podcast series where we introduce you to some of the greatest minds across different fields through in-depth interviews. I'm Raghav Behel and today we are talking about crypto, precisely about how it gets its value. This is part of our series Think Next with Raghav. I'll be talking to Tanviratna, founder and CEO Policy 4.0, Siddharth Menon, co-founder of Wazirx, Puneet Agarwal, founder Coinex, and Praveen Chakravarti, a politician and a public intellectual. You can check out episodes of News and Views and all other podcasts by The Quint on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome. Today we are going to be thinking next uh, uh, with cryptocurrency. And uh, you, you already have seen the stellar cast of experts that we have on the show with us. So I'm going to swing straight into our first question. You know, and the first question may sound very elemental to my uh, very distinguished panel of uh, experts, but this is the question that exercises the minds of ordinary people. And I'm going to therefore put it very bluntly. I mean, you go and solve a mathematical puzzle. You use a ton of computing power. You you use a ton of energy and you get maybe some kind of a digital file at the end of it, which is called a coin. How does, in the name of God, it get a monetary value attached to itself? I mean, you know, when I have a hundred rupee or a hundred dollar note, it's a government backing it and saying there is that value. Uh, when I go mining for gold, I'm getting some precious metal, which the world needs and has priced, and therefore it has a monetary value. How does solving a mathematical puzzle invest in that digital file a monetary value? Praveen, can you solve this little thing I'm, I'm confounded by? It, it is a very good question, uh, Raghav. Um, and uh, so there's a technology element to it, and then there is an e- um, economics element to it. See, the idea of a currency, what is the idea of a currency? Actually, contrary to what most people think, I think the the idea of a currency is actually a political idea. The idea comes from the fact that there is a certain means of trust that people need to be able to engage in transactions in society. And that trust is determined by the political environment and the political stability. Now, that trust could be in the form of a state-issued currency, or it could be another state-issued currency, such as in Latin American countries, um, there is perhaps more trust in an American currency than in their own currency. So the, 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 the idea of a currency is not sovereign in the, in, the, in the sense that we think of it. It's the idea of trust. And and that is fundamentally a political idea. Now, when it comes to um, a coin, that's a technology product. And how does that suddenly evoke trust? Trust is evoked based on what people believe. 
And it is not necessarily by because the state or a sovereign is backing it. And I want to separate the two because too often we conflate uh, the, 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 the two. Just because a state or a sovereign backs something does not mean it automatically gets the trust of its people. Or just because the state or the sovereign does not back something, it also does not mean that people will not trust it. So, and I think this is where the idea of cryptocurrency is somewhat confusing and befuddling for many people because it's neither state issued nor has it won the trust of people automatically or organically on its own. So where does it stand and why should crypto be a currency? So any economist will tell you it's not a currency. Right. Yeah. So we, we'll, we'll move to that uh, point about whether it's an asset or a currency. So you, so, you know, you've heard the economist say it. You heard the layman ask the question. I don't get it. So I'm going to go to Tanvi and ask her the same question. How does my solving a mathematical puzzle give me monetary value? Yeah, thanks, Raghav. I think that's a, it's a great question. And, uh, you know, I very much agree with what uh, Mr. Chakravarti said. So um, at the heart of it, it has to do with trust, right? But I would also like to flip your question a little bit. Um, I don't ne necessarily think it's about um, how it derives its monetary value. I think you're asking about something specific, which is uh how do you value an asset which doesn't have a cash flow rate? Uh, and uh, I, I think uh, I will just uh, take that. Uh, uh, take spot that on, Tanvik. Spot on, spot on. How do you value an asset which does not have an underlying cash flow? Yes. And I think that's one of the larger questions that has been thrown up by the current contagion events, right? And that's something that we've been looking at very closely at our think tank. We just uh, tabled a report for the G20 on it. Um, so I think in a nutshell, if I uh, were to take your question, I think crypto is, you know, priced the same way other assets are priced. It's priced by a market right? So there is a market of buyers and sellers. There are exchanges offering this marketplace. Um, and it's the people that are setting this price, right? It's buy and sell behavior. So I don't think that's where the issue really lies. The issue really lies in the fact that, uh, well, what is it getting priced based on, right? Uh, and I think that's a very complex question, right? Because it is, as Mr. Chakravarti said, to a large part, it's being priced on trust, Right. To a large part, it might be getting priced uh, in terms of reputational or brand uh, ethos right? that, that it carries. Uh, but I think the bigger question, which, you know, now and we have some veterans of the industry as well. The bigger question that now we need to answer in this ecosystem is what is the underlying cash flow? What is the underlying business model? on which we are going to start pricing the class of assets, right? And I think that's where the bulk of regulatory debate internationally is also now focused. So let me get uh, Siddharth in here. Now you've heard uh, heard what Tanvi said. You heard what Praveen said. You heard my, my question as well. Uh, if there is no underlying cash flow, all you have is a digital uh, set of codes, which you, which you probably end up owning. Uh, how, uh, you know, even, even a painting, even a painting has some aesthetic value which you can put some value to as an aficionado. But how right. do you put a value to a coin? Absolutely. And like Tanvi said, it's a very complex question. But let me break it down, sort of extending from what Mr. Pravinsar uh, uh, said about trust, right? Uh, and, and that's a very important thing, right? We are all in that journey of uh, humankind is in a journey of evolution 
from township to a country, uh, sorry, a kingdom to country, and now thinking about living on the internet. And at when it when it comes to the country level, we trust the government, right? When it was kingdom, we trust the uh, you know the kings of the land and and so on and so forth. But when it is completely decentralized, how do you how do you get trust of everybody, right? Which is beyond country. And this is where the cryptocurrency has, from a technology point of view, has solved, uh, where it's transparent and and, uh, and and as long as you believe in the code, you can see the code. You can you can actually scale trust, uh, not with a person, not with around people, but with with machines, right? And you're sort of delegating that, and that opens up a lot more opportunity for a lot of things, uh, starting from you know as as basic as a currency or or probably an asset, right? And and we are in that whole mist of creating different layers of financial systems and things around it. Uh, you know, everybody's looking for what's the digital gold? What's the digital currency? What's the digital equivalent in this whole space? And this is, we are in that whole process. It's, it's not solved yet. But, you know, uh, when we think about gold, we can see the reason that we believe in gold is for the fact that it's limited, you know, and everybody needs it from a, from a backing point of view. And, and similarly, when we're building this, the similar question comes in, hey, uh, is Bitcoin the best goal, uh, digital goal? Because, you know, it's by, by code, it's already limited um, uh, in supply and there is difficulty or there's an economic uh, uh, so action that you need to do to produce more gold. It's so, still that confusion. It's still that confusion in everyone's head. Where does it get its value? Yes, it gets a value because two people think it's got a value. But that's that's very ephemeral, right? There is nothing. Right, right. So, to me, when I think about that narration, uh, uh, very personally, uh, and we are thinking about that, it's an inevitable future, right? Metaverse is an inevitable future where we are all going to become more globalized, just like how the information era was. To me, uh, the value is much more higher than what it is even today. Because there's, if I were to just think about Bitcoin, why primarily? I'm not talking. I, I when I say value, I'm not talking about the the, the monetary value attached to it. Right, right. How does it get an intrinsic value? Uh, any asset, any it's, asset, unless it's a combination of it's a combination of belief and narration, which which is a little more complex. Everybody has different aspect to it. Like for me, it's technology, and uh, you know, uh, for everybody else is is different aspect. But I think from that point of view, it just I mean, makes sense. You 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 solve this 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 puzzle for. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, bits and pieces, uh, you know, I agree on all the thoughts that uh, Praveen, Tanvi and Siddharth has been putting around, you know, like it's something. So, uh, I feel, you know, it's it's a medium of exchange. So, let's say if that asset, if, you know, if any coin you're able to hold in and you're able to give it to someone else and, uh, you know, like exchange anything in return, that gets in a value. So, for example, if I'm able to give in a Bitcoin and I'm able to buy a uh, pizza or you know maybe you know pay that as salaries to some of the employees or you know like if someone accepts it and if someone says that okay this is something that you can pay and i consider this as a value uh, against my services or my offerings that i'm rendering towards you uh, then it gets in the value automatically so you know in the nutshell like it's it's kind of a mode of an exchange uh, through which it seems to be boiling down to two consenting adults saying i believe there is a value here and therefore, I will go ahead and move and accept the value because there doesn't seem to be any underlying reason why there should be a value. So I come now to the second conundrum uh, that's being talked about. Uh, and Tanvi, let me come to you uh, and I'm going to come to Praveen to right at the end of this. Now, uh, is it even a currency or is it a store of value like an asset? And therefore, are we 
in a sense, going back to medieval times where we are trying to use an asset as a currency, you know, the good old barter system, uh, where you say, take a ton of onions and give me a ton of wheat or that kind of thing. Uh, I think this question, um, you know, there's a very short term lens, uh, which you could put very uh, narrow lens of a monetarist. And you can look at seven criteria and say that it's not currency. But the truth of money is that it's it's just a technology, right? It's just what people have used to move value over time. Right. And we have given it these structures of a monetary system where if you look at the history, even central banking is a very new phenomenon. Right? It's maybe been around like 100 years. Um, so I think, you know, things that Siddharth said about, you know, uh, things that Puneet said about people agreeing to exchange value, about it being off value in time uh, in the digital space. Right. I think those things are very important when you think about this question. Right. Because. I think crypto is a symptom of just a lot of underlying drivers kind of changing in the world, right? Like in terms of what people value, in terms of how they want to hold uh, their their wealth, their assets, in terms of their economic behavior, like all these things are changing and you are seeing, I think the proof is in the pudding, right? People are seeing value in it, then they're seeing value in it, right? We can make all sorts of academics you know, conclusion saying that it's this or that, but ultimately, you know, everything is decided by the market. And, uh, you know, that's, I think that's where we should look to for, for answers to this. Is it, uh, is it because, and I'm going to ask both the uh, uh, exchange founders here, uh, is it because the, the you know, the, the currency has certain elements of, uh, uh, of, you know, shadiness to it. It allows transactions, which a legal tender may not allow. Is that where the first whiff of value comes from? And then uh, and then as it gets more into vogue and more into use and people become more comfortable with the fact that I can exchange it for value and then the then the value proposition grows. Is it is it is it, it, it does it come in and fill a vacuum which legal tender does not? Is that where it starts getting its first whiff of value, uh, Puneet? So I think people, you know, like again, uh, I, I look at it similar to the stock market, you know, uh, like how we have the stock markets where there are different private limited, uh, different companies who come in and, you know, like who list their uh, shares and people tend to trade on them. People tend to buy these shares looking at what future prospect of these companies could be. Similarly, in cryptocurrencies, you know, there are different projects that are building in some utility out of it. You know, they're trying to solve in a problem that exists in the real world. And through their project, they're trying to address that problem in a decentralized way or in a, you know, like in a blockchain uh, technology way. So that is where people are bullish on or people are trading on these idea and the, you know, the validations that they are making on this and looking at to bet on which project you know would work on which project is actually solving that problem which project is actually taking that to the masses and which has in that potential to you know like impact in the billions uh, that is where uh, i believe you know like a lot of people are uh, looking at cryptocurrencies deciding which coins to invest in which coins to trade on and that is how uh, the exchanges as per also you know doing their due diligence in terms of who is the team building it Interesting then, Puneet, that the, the, all the analogies you've used, all the analogies you've used seem to suggest that it's an asset and it's not a currency. You've used stock, you've used, uh, uh, you know, uh, tradable uh, on an exchange where people perceive some price for it. Therefore, therefore, the conundrum still continues. I've spoken to two of you and the conundrum 
conundrum continues whether it's really an asset or a currency. I'm going to come to Siddharth. Yeah, I think to me it's it's again a medium, right? Evolution of money uh, is always picks up the part of lowest friction. Uh, so you know to do a transaction, and ultimately it it all matters how many transaction can we do uh, through say cash and then through UPI. Now through you know if it's a global you know using a current uh, cryptocurrencies. And I think that's that's the path, and it has it's the evolution of what cryptocurrency is going through is not something that is new. It has historically already already happened multiple times uh, for a lot of uh, you know monetary system. Probably it is used used for wrong reasons. Okay, maybe, but eventually it is being used for right reasons. Eventually the the technology is sort of uh, you know embraced, and now we now even the you know we are also thinking about uh, getting. Uh, digital with a digital token even in india so if you think about it it's just a medium it's technology that just makes it easier to do transactions i i i get all of that but my 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 fundamental question here was how did it start getting a sense of value or how did people start investing a bit of value in it uh, and my 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 sort of hypothesis was that perhaps because uh, you could use this uh this asset or this uh, currency to do certain things that you could not do using legal tender uh, uh probably be, probably because it was cross border probably because some of the assets or or the goods that you could exchange with it you would not be able to do with uh, with legal tender is that where it started getting its value and then as you said once it got value and people started using it then it got started getting used for right things as well is, is that is that too far fetched or is there some modicum of Uh, of it's it's, it's not really because if you speak to people who been working in 2013 also uh, 2012 even freelancers they were getting paid in bitcoin uh, who were doing probably uh, you know digital work or or software work and and obviously famously we all know about silk road you know it's been used for something more illegal but that's just one part of the story right uh, when we are talking about paying people online some people still can't take money on their bank through uh, usd because it takes time it takes 3 or 4 days so the freelancer cannot commit to a job so because of this whole friction the payment through bitcoin was much more easier people could directly accept a job and start working on it whether it's at once so this lot of there lot of uh, things that even technology wise it has provided which is just removed this friction and brought in this adoption and i think uh, that probably the start but yes you know there are good and bad when it comes to you know whatever it's uh, it is of course right a phenomenon of this scale cannot just be based on one thing my my thing was only on the on how it started getting invested uh, in value praveen you've heard everyone you've heard my questions uh, do you do you think that uh it, it it got invested in value because it started doing things which legal tender could not and then that snowball and then that gathered a momentum of its own and then pe- and then trust came in and then technology developed and then it became slowly something far more acceptable is is that a simplistic uh, uh description of how uh, uh cryptocurrency has has become such a largely acceptable phenomenon um it's not uh, ragav it's not it's it's not a uh, wily uh, it's not a wild theory so and and listen we have parallels in history i mean you go back to tulips and people exchanging tulips um i mean let us let us take a hypothetical example let us say that you, i'm going to give you peacock feathers um in return for your uh, your your painting and you say fine i'll take your peacock feathers and then you take that peacock feathers and you go and give it to somebody else um 
it doesn't have to do anything with technology. You're just accepting my peacock feathers and somebody else is accepting your pe- the peacock feathers that I gave you. So um, I think the technology element is almost irrelevant to the idea that this is a medium of exchange. Now, the technologies and the engineers would argue that it's the technology that builds a certain level of trust. But history has always showed us that you don't need any, any of those things. You could get something adapted quickly as a medium of exchange. And there, there could be various things that, that propel this. See, I think there's, where there's a fund, I go back to the idea of trust. The tr- idea of trust can be two ways. One is a big state, a sovereign or a government telling you, this is correct, trust this, this is legal, and I stand guaranteed. That's one way of inducing trust. The other way of inducing trust are just people in society saying, I just trust this. I trust peacock feathers, I trust some random coin, I trust a cryptocurrency. So it could be um, either of the two. I think the fundamental idea that the technologists and the engineers argue is that it removes the centralization and the control that somebody has over issue of a medium of exchange. They're fundamentally questioning the idea that why should a state or a sovereign or a central bank have the control over a medium of exchange? Fair enough. But then let's flip the question. If something were to go wrong, whose throat do you choke? Because the very idea of trust also depends on if something goes wrong, who can you go to? And who can be responsible? And enforceability. Right? Enforceability. Exactly. I mean, ultimately, we live in a society where laws need to be enforced. Because if they're not enforced, then you're talking about lawlessness. So, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you may disagree violently with the concept of, uh, of a government, but a, a government does have the job of enforcing uh, uh, social order. Uh, exactly. Has the ability to, to enforce things. Exactly. Like, like in your own profession, Raghav, say uh, media versus social media. When, when there is something wrong, you know that if it was an editor in a mainstream newspaper, you can go hold the editor responsible. The editor is ultimately responsible for the truthfulness and the veracity of the news. In a democratized social media template, there is no one that, that's responsible or accountable for this. And hence, there is less trust in social media. Okay, so now if it's it, trust seems to be the underlying theme and acceptance seems to be the underlying theme. Now, Tanvi, I'm going to come to you, but I'm going to take a little while, a short while to, uh, I, you know, I, I was once having a conversation with a bunch of very bright young people uh, and they, and, and I was coming across as a crypto skeptic to them. And they, of course, being young people, uh, were, were completely, you know, gung ho on 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 crypto and how it's it, it's fundamentally going to change the world. So one of the young people asked me, "When do you think crypto will become uh, a big phenomenon that you don't seem to be today convinced uh, by?" And I said, "You know, I believe that cryptos will become a revolution in the world of finance when you can attach an underlying cash flow to it." So then they asked me, "How does that happen?" So I said, "Listen, uh, think of the Empire State Building now." If I want to own the Empire State Building, I can't. But if the Empire State Building can be broken down into, say, 1,000 commercial units, different commercial units and offices, and each commercial unit and office can be a non-fungible token, which gets traded on a crypto exchange, and that each token has an underlying cash flow, then I can take a call and say, all right, I like the corner office on the 21st floor. It overlooks uh, Central Park. That's going to get more rent than the other ones. So I'd rather buy the token which is 
uh, representing the 21st floor office. I said, that's when a cash flow gets attached to a crypto token. And that's when I believe there'll be a revolution. Now, again, am I on the wrong track there? Yeah, I think you uh, you throw some tough questions, Raghav. I mean, I'm going to try my best to answer it in a bite-sized response. Um, I think the real issue with cash flow is that it throws up a very big conundrum at the heart of crypto, right? Crypto is not built to have cash flows from fiat money, right? It was built to sort of be its own system, a parallel system, a parallel economic and financial system. Um, and it's only later that this sort of financialization of crypto began, right? Where people started valuing it essentially in dollars, right? right. So now, uh, you know, there are big ethical sort of questions that even crypto internally, like the industry has to figure out, right? Um, right now, like the value that's going into crypto is going from, you know, fiat money moving into crypto, right? So there's more and more money going into it. And so there's more and more value and valuation going into it, right? Um, now, the way to create cash flow for a system like that is to have regulations, right? Like you can't have fiat move money moving in and getting pri like pricing your services and something like that unless there's regulation that enables you to do that. That and it enables you to price a service in crypto and then you know sell it in the market, right? Like so, I think I, I think this question is a, a big conundrum, honestly, for the industry, and it's also a big uh, conundrum for regulators, right? Who who say like, well, why am I having to regulate this, right? This is not my economy. Uh, it's not a system that I've built. Uh, why should I come in and try and make sure things are fair and good and, you know, services work, right? Like, that's not not my job, right? Like, it's it's not my system. Um, so I think um, I think there's no real answer to that. I think it, the, it comes down to us, so said, if crypto in its structure and form that it has, is it able to win the trust of people, right, as a system? It's all going to come down to that. Right. It's going to reach a space where people are ready to price in it. People are ready to use it. Then, you know, then it can, then really this question of cash flow can, can come in. Okay. So, so really the, the enduring word through this discussion has been trust. So I'm going to ask you, uh, Puneet, in my, in my worldview, and I come from the old world, in my worldview, trust will only come when there is equivalence of cash flow with a crypto token do you accept it or you don't accept it? Uh, i believe it will be a mix of you know we cannot see complete decentralization we cannot see complete centralization it would come when it comes with transparency uh, when people will start looking at it that okay uh, you know i am able to let's say transfer in funds instantly from one place to another or government benefits uh, you know like subsidies and schemes are being able to go down deeper into the roots on ground uh, to the person who actually need it but in a transparent way, in a way that is, uh, you know, like open, clean, and everyone can see the trail of it. And that's where the power of technology and, you know, the underlying cryptocurrency would come in. But I would argue, I would argue that that, you know, uh, with with the legacy systems becoming very digitally driven, whether it's even our own UPI, uh, and the fact that uh, you can instantly now transfer money, I think that advantage will go away, won't it? I mean, today, if I have to transfer um, money to my son in, in New York, um, 
it takes it takes 10 hours through the banking system while in the crypto world if both of us have wallets at both ends and you know all of that's legal yeah it'll happen in in no time but i mean 10 hours how how is that so important that i switch from fiat currency to bitcoin uh like 10 hours might be you know for seldom transactions or one off transactions maybe in a month would not look at uh, you know you would not feel to convert in but imagine of businesses who do these transactions daily multiple times with multiple parties and who are you know like into the import export business and they have to pay 10 hours of rent uh, at the ports if they transact if, if their shipments are just you know uh, have reached in and there's no one to collect in or they're waiting for the payments at all so there are huge losses that comes along with this you know with the time that is associated with it and even then like there are many intermediaries involved so um, you know it's not always the case that it's 10 hours we have like we all have seen cases where international payments can have gone to you know five days seven days and even more just yeah. because of waiting for no, no, I, I was exaggerating when i said 10 hours i mean i love the banking system it always takes a transaction on a friday then sits on the money saturday sunday and then sent it out on a Monday. <laughs> so, so all of us have seen that. To that, I'm going to come to you uh, on on the question that I asked. Uh, uh, do you think um, uh, that that is simplistic? That unless you can get a one-to-one equivalence between cash flows, uh, which underlie a, a, a digital coin, in which case then uh, the financial revolution would have reached our doorstep. But you're saying, uh, but is your case that even without that, uh, th- th- this can carry on the way it is without a, a one-is-to-one equivalence? Yeah, I believe without even one is to one equivalence, it can. Okay. Is that? Yeah, definitely not. I mean, uh, this is, I mean, if it goes uh, only speculative for all this while, I, I don't think so. There's going to be, uh, you know, there's definitely not a good end to it, right? Uh, but <clears throat> going back to history, like, I, I think we saw the, you know, dot com boom and also, uh, uh, you know, the stories around it. There were there were businesses which is getting funded, which attracted a lot more talent talents to start building onto it, and then now you know everything collapsed. But still, it went on, right? It still attracted a lot of bunch to actually start building onto it. Uh, like if I were to compare, since uh, I mean I was involved in crypto since almost 2015. From that to today, there are more people who are actually building and solving real problems, uh, solving businesses which actually brings cash flow. So we are in that whole process of being built on and we, I already, I mean, there's so many projects we already know they are actually doing cash flows, but probably in the, in the digital uh, realm, like in their own uh, token or their own Bitcoin, but probably not in fiat, but that is happening now, right? So it's not going to be something that's uh, going to be forever. Now we have more talent, which got attracted for probably for whatever reason, right? And now that's being built. So, you know, over time, I don't think so, you know, this is going to be, the speculation will not stay forever. The cash flow will come. And I think it's more real. And and regulation has to evolve, right? Laws have to evolve uh, to to enable something like that. Uh, Praveen, uh, inevitable last word on this uh, subject from you. Uh, uh, Did you find my Empire State Building example fanciful or uh, uh, did it have some merit to it? No, I don't quite agree with the idea that there has to be cash flows. Um, I think that stems from the fact that uh, we are in a fiat currency world today. But remember, the fiat currency is, uh, you know, 50 years old. I mean, or 60 years old. That's about it. 1971 is when uh, we moved to fiat currency. Before that, uh, these were not traded. So this, I, I mean, so, so my first question is, why should, why should this be traded at all in the first place? And if it doesn't need to be traded, then why do you need a cash? Why do you need cash flows? Um, see, assets, for example, home, houses, there are no cash flows in it. I mean, 
theoretically yeah. you could argue Iran yeah that's what i'm saying sure. theoretically there is an implied say, cash flow to a house correct it's implied but you know that's what i'm saying so uh, you know this i before before fiat currency there was no idea of a tradable currency um and all of this is just about 50 60 years old so um so that not, was only gold right i mean the only exactly. underlying that was gold correct so so you know so it was all whether you found gold or not you know so you you were not like trading kind of gold back and forth and determining a market driven value to it um right so so i mean for the for a for a sovereign currency i mean so um so the idea that there has to be cash flows is perhaps uh, uh, not something that uh, you know that is that, that is mandatory but it goes back to is it a currency or not right and if it is not a currency um and by currency i mean the idea the political idea of a store of value and a medium of exchange um then then all the other discussion is moot and i do not think it will gain pardon the pun here gain currency as a currency because uh, uh because because i think it's neither a state enforced trust that uh, cryptos have found for nor have societies at large accepted it as a medium of exchange so it's somewhat stuck in this quagmire i think that's 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 absolutely the right note uh, as well i mean this is ultimately a choice that you i and billions of all of us will make uh, provided of course there is a regulatory framework which is you know leveling out the playing field which is enforcing trust all of those things the crypto uh, cryptocurrency still has a long way to go there so on that note i would like to thank all my uh, panelists for uh, uh, for a discussion on a very complex subject on on something which uh, is difficult for uh, ordinary people like us to to fully uh, understand but i think we got uh, a sense of uh, where this could be heading and what the positives and the negatives and the pitfalls are thank you once again and i hope you enjoyed the show And that was this episode of News and Views with uh, Tanvi Ratna, founder and CEO, Policy 4.0, Siddharth Menon, co-founder of Wazirex, Puneet Agarwal, founder Coinex, and Praveen Chakravarti, a politician and a public intellectual. Follow us on Instagram at the Quint and tell us what you want to talk about next week. And check out our website, thequint.com, for more groundbreaking reports and videos. This was Raghav Behel. and i'll see you in the next one news and views is a quint original podcast executive produced by shelly walia and ritu kapoor this episode was hosted by raghav behel produced and edited by prateek lidu with theme music from bmg a special thanks to our guests tanvir ratna siddharth menon punita garwal and praveen chakravarti you were listening to the quint's podcast Thank you.